Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Dan is bringing you a teaching, so head over to crosswalkphoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Dan. Today, as, as we continue our message series, Jesus, Son of God, we're going to be looking at a, a Bible story that I have known, you know, I grew up in the church. This is one that I, I just remember as, as a child. And over the last couple of weeks, as I have been just studying this one again, I think I might have been, you know, I understand what it teaches, but looking at it from a different perspective might help you. And so this is a, a perspective I, I, I would like you to think of, and that is, I, I want you to think about having something in your life or a, a theme of having something in your life that you really want and you're focused on it. But then what happens is along the way, something else that, that you didn't think was all that important becomes important. And, and you're, whether or not you get that, the thing you were so worried about isn't as important anymore. And, and you're able to find kind of joy along the way. Okay, what am I talking about? An example of this, this is a theme that you can see in movies uh, occasionally. Uh, one that's out that has a theme similar to this would be the movie Passengers. I don't know if you've ever seen that before, if you went and saw it. If not, I'm going to ruin it for you right now. But, but I'll give you information that was, most of it's in the trailer, but yeah, I'll give you some other stuff too. Anyways, the, the movie, the whole premise is it's set in the future where a bunch of people are going, going to be going, living on a different planet, but the planet, it takes 120 years to get there. And of course, because this is science fiction, they are able to put them asleep and they're, they're going to sleep the whole way and that way when they get there, it'll be just like it was a long nap and they'll be ready to go on the new planet. Well, the deal is, is 30 years in, uh, Chris Pratt is the, the actor, wakes up. For some reason, his pod opens up and he finds out that he's 90 years away from the planet. So he's you know, f- trying to figure that whole thing out for a long period of time, just lives by himself on the ship. Well, he wakes a girl up. Okay, and, and, and then it's about, about this relationship and, and, and everything that happens on the ship and it almost crashing, all that stuff. But, but then there, there's a time at the end of, end of the movie where a decision has to be made as they look at 90 years that one of them can, can go to where they want to be, but the other one has to stay behind. And, and as they look at that one dream they had, the, the question is, do I want to stay and enjoy this present instead? That, that is, is what I have and, and the, the cards I've been dealt better than the hand that I wanted to have? And you'll have to see the movie to see what the answer to that is. But, but I've seen this in, in, in life too and I, I would like you to just take time to think about things in your life that, that might be like this. I've seen it this week, especially in, in going through our growth groups. We're going through Financial Peace University. And the hook for Financial Peace University for many people, why they want to go to it, is because they want money. I, I'm sick of being poor. I'm sick of being in debt. And for that reason, I, I'm sick of living paycheck to paycheck. And I want to go through Financial Peace University so, I'm, so I can get out of that. 
but a crazy thing happens in week two of financial peace, and that is it talks about relationships. And that is why this week, as, as I've been around classes, in classes, I have probably done more relationship counseling than financial, without a doubt. It's been all relational this week. And, and I've had individuals come to me, uh, a husband and wife, where the, the, the wife is, is just in tears. She's crying. And she's, and she's, first of all, so thankful that my husband came to the class. You have no idea how huge that is. And then when he heard this lesson that, that he told me, I understand I've been kind of putting this on you and we need to walk through this together. And, and for her to, to, to say for the first time, I feel like no matter if we get out of debt or not, no matter how much money we have or don't have, that what we came and got out of this class already is a togetherness that we didn't have before. And that's made the whole thing worth it, even if we were to stop right now. Other people have talked to me and said, we used to think that we had a problem with not making enough money. And after going through a lesson, one on contentment, said, you know what, I've begun to realize that all this stuff that I wanted, that I've been going for, that it's like, it's an insatiable appetite. And I, the more I keep going for it, the more miserable I am. And what I've learned is that I'd be content with what I have, live within my means, and just be thankful for that. I don't know about you. I, I don't know what, what situation you are in today as you come here, but, but all of us in one way or another, seem to be searching. That, that we tend to have an, an itch that we can't scratch. This, this thing that we want God to give us. As I look at the prayer request each week, all of you, well, not all of you fill them out necessarily, but everyone that does has something that they would really appreciate from God. And they're going to him very boldly many times, as we should, and asking God for it. Now, as you think about that in your life, the question is, if I don't get that, is it possible to be thankful for what God does give me and maybe even more happy and thankful and content than if he gave me everything I wanted? I need you to to listen to the account today through that filter. I'm not going to read it to you. I'll tell it to you right now. Here's what we're going through. This is of the paralyzed man, the paralytic. The, the, we don't know if he, was, uh, if he was just paralyzed, just his legs all over his body. We don't know. Quadriplegic, I don't know. But this is what we're told in, in Luke, is that Jesus was there teaching in, in the town, and there were tons of people that were coming to see him. And as he was there, some, some individuals came with a friend of theirs who, who was not able to walk, was not able to move. So they brought him on a stretcher, probably four, four of them on some type of gurney trying to get to where Jesus was. And they couldn't because there were so many people there. They couldn't, Jesus was in a the house. They couldn't get to him. So what they did is a lot of these homes that were built kind of out of brick would, would have more of a thatch type roof. So they went up and they would have stairs that would go up the side. And at night, a lot of times, they would go up there to just be cooler in the evening. So anyways, they decided to go up these steps and they started to dig through the roof. There might have been some little tiles they moved first and then 
they dug through the roof right above where Jesus was, lowered the guy down, and when they lowered him down, Jesus looked up, no doubt dirt falling on him, and uh, that as he was lowered down, Jesus said to him, friend, your sins are forgiven. Well, when he did that, there was all kinds of ruckus in the room when you had Pharisees, teachers of the law, and the question is, who, who does he think he is? Only God has the power. God alone has the power to forgive sins. Jesus knew what they were thinking, knew what they were saying, and, and he said to them, what's, what's easier to do, to say your sins are forgiven or to say, take your mat, take your stretcher, get up and go home? But so that you may know that I have the power to forgive sins, he said to the man, take your mat and go home. Guy got up, praising God, glorifying God, grabbed his mat and went home. Everyone that day then were in a situation where they say, what do we, this is remarkable. What do we do with this Jesus? What, what, is it, you know, what is it that we are to believe about him? So that's, that's the account. That, that's the account that we are looking at. And I always thought that this was an account about healing. That's what this is about, right? This is about Jesus having the ability, if someone's paralyzed, to make them whole. But this is about so, so many different things because there are so many people in play who are coming to Jesus for different reasons, wanting that, that thing that Jesus is offering, So we go back to the beginning. Let's go back to Luke chapter 5, verses 17 and 18. One day Jesus was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. So as we look at this, we're going to look at a number of different groups of people. First of all, the day Jesus is there, this is part of Jesus' ministry, and he's teaching. Now, Jesus would have gone around from village to village, sometimes on the Sabbath day, on Saturday, to teach in the synagogue, but other days he would go other other places as well. And we are met with the first group of people who wanted to hear what Jesus has to say, and that is the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. Now, when you hear the, the word Pharisee, uh, it has a connotation in our, our language today that a Pharisee is, is someone who uh, is kind of like a hypocrite, who, who thinks they're all that, a Pharisaical type attitude. But it didn't necessarily start that way back at, within Israel. And the Pharisees and their sect started after the the children of Israel had been taken into captivity. So the nation of Israel, as as it was known, had basically gone away and other people had moved in and and were living in the land. And then these people came back from captivity, from Babylon, and were living in Israel. And what had happened is the people who had moved in and some of the people who had stayed started, I, I guess I would call it a hybrid religion, kind of mixing pagan customs and Old Testament Judaism, and it was just a complete, utter mess and disaster. And so what happened specifically with the Pharisees is the Pharisees had this push, we need to go back to what God tells us to do in worship. 
And, and as they did that, their, I think their motives were pure, but what they did is they got all of these rules, like you have to do this and this and this and this and this, and, and they just got more and more militant about it. And then when you look at what they were looking for from God, what they were searching for, the, the end goal for them was to find all the rules and, and do everything that God wanted so God would be happy with them. And what it ended up doing is it, it, it took them farther away from God. It made them miserable. It made everyone they came into contact with them miserable as well. And so they were there with the teachers of the law. In other words, they were religious lawyers. And so what that would be like today is if in the front row I had a, a group of lawyers sitting around me to see if everything that I said, uh, that they were, would do fact check to make, see if anything I said was wrong. And, and they would be sitting there listening intently and waiting to pounce on, on something that I said. So that is the first group of people who are there, is, is the Pharisees, teachers of the law. Then we have another group, and, and that would be the, the group when it says that they were there, the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. And so these would be individuals who came to Jesus looking for healing. Now, this healing, most of it, I think, would have been they were looking for physical healing, that they had some type of ailment. But there were people who came to Jesus for healing other than just physical, spiritual healing, emotional healing, that they were looking for Jesus to help them in a specific area of their life so that they could be whole again. And they knew that Jesus, they, they figured that Jesus was someone who could help them. In the blank, you can write, Jesus enjoyed immense popularity early in his ministry. Just immense population. Uh, we're talking 10, 20, 100 thousand, even a million people by the time he was done, how many people in that first year that Jesus came into contact with? And people came to see him for different reasons, all kinds of different reasons, just as different as the reason that you are here at church today. There is some reason you're here. I don't know what it is. Maybe you don't even know what it is, but you, you come here because you believe that this is a place to be to hear God's word and to hear what Jesus has to say. Maybe you're, you're listening a little bit as a critic. Maybe you're listening as someone who's, who's a person of faith who says, no, I believe all of that. Or maybe you're somewhere in the middle. All types of different people come to hear Jesus. Even today, we continue. When they could not find a way to do this, remember, they're trying to get the man on the stretcher uh, to Jesus uh, because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. So as we try to figure this out, exactly what's going on, I think what would help us is if I did... Only the people in the front are laughing at my jokes now because people in the back... So now you know what it was like. Jesus didn't have his mic on, right? So Jesus is, at, Jesus is in this house. And, and so if you want to hear Jesus, you have to get there early, right? So the Pharisees, they're up for that. We want a front. They got a seat. They got a seat in the house. 
Everyone else was standing, and they would have been standing so close. Again, remember, Jesus not using a microphone. Now all of a sudden you have the, the walls of the building and maybe some windows where people could stand and be listening to what Jesus had to say. And imagine trying to get a wheelchair or, or this type where you're carrying a guy as, as people are just that tight listening to what Jesus had to say, no doubt telling everyone else that, will you shut up? Don't talk. I can't hear him. I can't hear what he's having to say. And so it's into this situation that, that the guys look around. There's no way we're getting in there, but they are not taking no for an answer. And, and they're, they, how can we get him close to him? That's when they decided, go up the steps, break through the roof, get, get to him however they could. So in the blank, you can write, thank God for friends who drag you to see Jesus. And we need creativity to spend time with Jesus. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you were dragged here today. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if your husband made a deal with you that if he would come to church, if you would go to the Super Bowl party, and you would say, well, make that switch. But, but I think we, we use that terminology, don't we, that... that that there are people who have been dragged to church. Maybe you're dragged by your spouse. Maybe you were dragged by your mom or dad. Maybe you are here against your will. But I am telling you, you, you should fall down on your knees and thank God every day for people who do that. For me, it was my grandpa, Elmer. Still have a few nightmares about him, but I'm okay. I'm getting better. Uh, he used to show up at 7.20 at our house. And, and just be right outside, 7.20, and there are eight kids in our family. 7.20, get in the car, we're going to church. And then we would drive a half mile away to the church, which started at eight. So, so now we're there at 7.25, and I'm just telling you, in an old church like that, no one's there at 7.25. So they gave him, literally gave him a key so he could open church and about maybe 7.40, the organist would show up. But during that time period, he made us sit in the same pew every Sunday. And, and he would wait there with the programs, with the bulletins. And if we spoke, come up and hit us along the backside of the head, be like, Grandpa, what's the deal? He's like, quiet, you're in church. And, and, and then we, the organist would play about 10 minutes before church, and at least then we had some cover noise, which was nice. And, and, and that was the way it is. And, and looking back at that, I mean, I can question his, his techniques, but the reality of it is, is there was the, the concept of sleeping in on a Sunday morning. There was no way my grandfather would have allowed that. We would have been physically removed from the bed. Well, there was someone I talked to in, in, in my ministry later on this is, who said, yeah, I, my parents always dragged me to church and I hated them for it. And I'm like, I'm not going to do that to my kids. And they, they told me this story like five times, thinking I had forgot it, evidently. And, and so the, the one Sunday I just like had enough. I, I was like, your parents did that. I get it. I get it. Where are you every Sunday? 
She said, well, I'm at church because I know it's important. Yeah? Where are your kids every Sunday? Well, they don't go to church because it's like, thank God for people who drag you to church, who, who at a time when you might not think it's important, when you are looking at what you want in life and you are saying, that's what I want, who are trying to point you to something that's maybe more important or, or maybe that will give your life some, some meaning to it as well. Thank God for people like that. And then the final one is a little bit different. We need creativity uh, to spend time with Jesus. I'm not asking you to, to drag people to church every day. I'm not. I'm not asking you to physically do that. But, but to look at this and say, each day, how can I spend time with Jesus? And that's the thing for, for myself personally. The, the biggest thing for me is I am like in love with my phone app, my Bible phone app. I am. I, it makes it so easy for me to spend time with Jesus. It's amazing. And the other thing, because I'm a, as a pastor, I read the Bible a lot and I'm, and I'm sharing it with people a lot. The, with the YouVersion app that I use, I have someone else read the gospel to me every day. And it's awesome. Creativity. It can, I can listen in the car. I can listen if I have time. Uh, the time I use for that or just personal time in prayer. Times going on. Uh, I love going on YouTube and have Christian songs that are, are ones that are my favorite. And I, I feel really uh, help me on given days. I'm begging you. I am begging you. Be creative in your time with Christ. And, and spend time with him on a daily basis. We continue. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Jesus saw their faith. So he's seen the faith of everyone. He, he, the, the, whether it be the, the individual that's being dragged or, or the, the individuals that are dragging him, that he looks at what they're doing and, and the thought process of Jesus. My goodness, look at these, these guys they're nuts. These guys are nuts. I guarantee you everyone was thinking a couple things. Number one, I'm glad this is not my house. And number two is these guys are crazy. These guys are, this is unbelievable. And so that, that Jesus sees that nothing is get, going to get in their way of seeing him. And they believed without a doubt that he was able to help them. And the words, friend, your sins are forgiven. In the blank, you can write, First of all, Jesus is a friend to sinners. Jesus is a friend to sinners. And Jesus' words to this man may bring mixed emotions. First of all, Jesus is a friend to sinners. If you are someone that came today because it was hard for you because of guilt that you have or wrong that you know you've done, I have good news for you. Jesus loves you. Jesus is your friend. Jesus looks at you. When you hear these words, friend, your sins are forgiven, these are Christ's words to you. To say, you know what, your past, the, the things that you have done wrong, do not stand in, 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 I don't look at you as my enemy, but rather you are my friend and your sins are removed. That I, that I, I, I release you of the debt of sin. It's amazing. But then also, Jesus' words may bring mixed emotions. 
Have you ever had someone go to uh, someone, a family member, maybe my mom and dad, something like that, uh, go on a trip to Hawaii, and they bring you back a T-shirt that says, mom and dad went to Hawaii and all I got was this stupid T-shirt? <laughs> and so you're like, seriously? That, that, that all of this, you go, you go those you know, thousand miles there and back, you, you, all of this stuff you do, and you get me this T-shirt. And so there can be a little bit of disappointment. And so in the same way, when this man is, is let down in front of Jesus, do you think he was expecting something else than, friend, your sins are forgiven? That's a disappointment to say, how about the healing? That's the problem is we know the healing comes, right? But in that moment, there was not Jesus said, your sins are forgiven and be healed. Your sins are forgiven. Friend, your sins are forgiven. Stop. There's a couple different things. I don't know if you like play with in, in, in this in your mind. First of all, the fact that he says your sins are forgiven is he's telling him you're a sinner. And I don't know if that's the place you want to start always, is it? Think about it on, on Sunday. And, and if you come to Crosswalk with any regularity... Confession, do this, and I don't know what you think of it, but we start with a confession of sins. Today, I led you in a prayer of it, and, and we talked about being a, a slave to sin. Anyone who sins is a slave to sin, and, and the sin that we have in, in all that we do and, and how it overwhelms us and, and we become sinful, and people don't like to be told that. Don't tell me I'm bad. I'm good. I, I'm a, I like to think down deep, I'm a good person. Jesus' message is, is not that. It's the opposite. Friend, your sins, the reality of sins, but yet they're forgiven. We start there before the message, even. And it's a place where we start with God to say, how can we stand in the presence of God <coughs> And, and as we look at the most important thing we do on a Sunday morning, that's it. This, past, this, this message has, has been on my mind for a couple weeks, and it especially was last week when I went to see an individual who's, I think he's a couple years younger than me, who got an infection and didn't realize it and never went to the doctor, and it got worse and worse and worse until finally a friend found him in his home, unable to move. They, they took him to the, doctor, er, to the hospital, and he's been in the hospital now for, I think he was in the hospital for maybe two months, and now he's in a rehabilitation center, like a nursing home. And during that time, they think he had a stroke as well. And so he's just getting to the point where he can be on his feet with a walker and uh, that he's not able to move his, his right leg. And, and I went to, to see him and I, I just told him, I said, I'm asking for your help. Mentally, he's great. I mean, he's able to talk and we wonderful conversation. I asked him, does this bother you? Does this Bible story bother you? Does this account bother you? And he's like, what, what do you mean? And I said, does it bother you when you hear about the paralyzed man being healed and you're not? Unless God works a miracle today, I'm not expecting and neither are you. Are you okay with me leaving and, and looking at this and saying, God, what's the story? 
And, and he told me, you have no idea what it means to me for you to come and tell me my sins are forgiven. For the last couple months, I've been laying in a hospital bed, looking up, asking all kinds of questions, all kinds of thoughts going through my mind of all the wrong that I've done, the things that I haven't done, the things I could have done. And, and it's going through my head that maybe God is doing this to punish me. And he's not. He's not. He loves me. He is my friend and he has forgiven my sin. That is what I hear you saying, that God has brought me healing today and it's healing of my heart and it's a healing of my soul and it's the taking away of my sins. And, and I don't know if I'm gonna get to walk again. I don't know. But I do know that God is with me every step of the way. And, and that's something we don't wanna take for granted. That as we look at this account, exactly what Jesus is promising we continue, and how the Pharisees reacted. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? So now you have a completely different group of people who are the people who are learning and, and the law people saying, hold it, this is the way forgiveness works. If you're going to forgive a debt, somebody has to pay for it, okay? Okay. Uh, I, I sent out an email this week ab about this message, and it, it, and I, it just reminds me of growing up. Who's going to pay for it is part of the money does not grow on trees message that my parents gave me, right? Money doesn't grow on trees. Who's going to pay for that? And, and usually it would be after a ball was thrown through a window, and okay, you're forgiven for that, but someone's got to fix the window, and usually when dad would say, who's going to pay for it, dad knew who was going to pay for it. He was, and he wasn't happy about it again. And so in this situation, when Jesus is saying, your sins are forgiven, the, the lawyers say, hold it. Who's going to pay for this? Only God alone can forgive sin. O only God is the one who is, able to, to, who is able to have the power to forgive the sins of, of people. We're told throughout the Bible that, that the payment for sin is great. No payment is ever enough. One person can't pay for another's sins. We know Jesus ultimately will give the answer on the cross. We know Jesus ultimately will give the answer with his life. I'm going to pay for it. I'm going to pay for his sin with my perfect life and my innocent death and my resurrection. That is how this sin, that is how I am able to forgive sin by paying for it. In the blank, you can write, Jesus, Son of God, offers forgiveness like none other. His forgiveness is divine. He does this as God, the one who pays for our sin. The forgiveness is immediate. Not, not going, and this individual isn't told, why don't you get up, go do some good works, come back here and we'll think about it. It was immediate. Your sins are forgiven. And then finally, his forgiveness is complete. Every sin, all sin, for this man, for all people, for all of us, for all time, that is the payment that Jesus would make. We go to the next page, and this, wor this works right into the same thing. Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. 
So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. So, the first question, Jesus asked it, what's easier to say? It's easier to say, your sins are forgiven. Why is it easier to say that? Your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. There's no proof to that. Those, in some ways, are just words, right? But if we brought up a number of people who, who needed healing and I healed them, is that hard to say? Yeah, because it takes power, which means they get up and they're going to have to walk out of here, which is going to have to have some proof of the power. And so it's easier to say your sins are forgiven. The next blank. The healing proved Jesus' authority to forgive sins. Notice those words that are highlighted. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. The paralyzed man, after he was healed, should have got down on his knees. Thank God that the Pharisees questioned Jesus' power to forgive sins. Because he might not have been healed otherwise. I don't know. Jesus says the reason why he did the miracle. The miracle was not necessarily for this man's sake. The miracle was so that everyone there would know that Jesus has the power to forgive sins. And that miracle is there for us to see today as well. This reality that Jesus has the power to forgive sins. In the blank, you can write, Jesus performed two miracles on this day. Number one miracle, Jesus forgives a sin. Number two miracle, Jesus heals a sick man or a paralyzed man, whatever. And, and so I guarantee you that paralyzed man is not moving today. He's, he's somewhere dead. And as he lived his life, he, he, as he got old, maybe uh, his body broke down and he ended up uh, not being able to walk again until finally he was carried by four or six men to his grave. And he's dead. But the miracle of Jesus to forgive sins continues today for that man. He, he lives in the light of that miracle even now with his Father in heaven. And so it is with the miracles Jesus does with us. The, the wonderful miracle that Jesus has performed already today. The miracle that he performs in, in your life and in all of our lives is the forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ. Now the result, immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. In the blank you can write, having experienced complete healing, the formerly paralyzed man praises God. The words of the people, it's, it's hard to, to bring this out in, in the English language, but, but when they said, we have seen great things, remarkable things today, that there's an emphasis on the word today. And, and the reason why is that the, the, the Old Testament prophet Isaiah wrote about it, and he wrote about the fact that each of us lives in the present. And for each person, every day that we're alive, we can say today is the day of God's grace. 
today. Today is the day that we can look at what God has done for us, and today is the day that it is meant to be embraced and believed. But I don't know why you're here today. I don't know what the end game is. I don't know what you're searching for. I don't know if you want healing in your life, in your relationship, in the relationship of someone you care about, if it's for your kids, if it's for your parents, if it's whatever. I don't know. And at the end of the day, I don't think it makes any difference. Because as you look at what you want God to give you, don't miss what he has given you. Listen to Jesus' words. They are directed at you. Friend, your sins are forgiven. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, we thank you that you sent Jesus into the world to be our friend and to be our savior and to be the savior of the world. Lord, as we go through life, all of us have prayers. All of us have wants and needs and And as we look at them, some of them really get elevated high. Some of them are very important to us. But as we go through life, help us, Lord, not to get stuck along the way, um, missing the wonderful gift of forgiveness and, and the remarkable relationship you give us as your children. Help us to live every day. Uh, coming back to you, coming back into your presence and hearing again each day about your wonderful love for us. Now, Lord, as we go from here, help us not only to enjoy this forgiveness, but to share it in our lives as well. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So before we close, if you would like more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, head over to crosswalkphoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. Visit our website for directions. And now some closing thoughts from Pastor Dan. As you go away today, two things, that one of them just a, a jewel that, that you want to keep with you at all times. Friend, your sins are forgiven. Those words of Christ every day be ringing in your ears. And the second thing is, is that part of the creativity in spending time with Jesus. You must, you must carve time out of your day. Make time in your day to spend with Christ and, and just hear that message and, and explore that relationship with him every day. And as you go, go also with his blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you his peace. Amen.